Hi, and welcome to the Canine Translators Podcast. This podcast is dog trainers talking about dog natural training and all things dog behavior. We are your hosts, Tara Sturmer and Laura McClure, head behavior trainers at Canine Working Mind in Austin, Texas. Our goal in this podcast is to help our species understand canine communication and their behaviors. This episode is sponsored by Canine Working Mind, a dog natural training center offering one-on-one sessions, group classes, and more. Visit canineworkingmind.net for more information. That's canine working mind with a K. Good morning. Uh, this is the Canine Translators Podcast. We are your hosts. I am Tara Sturmer. And I'm Lauren McClure. And today we are going to be talking with a very special guest, uh, Laura Lee Franks. She has uh, a dog named Rufus who has done some tracking training with us. She's been a client of ours for quite a long time. I don't even know how long. How long have you been coming to see us? Well, Rufus brought me here. Yeah. He's almost 11. Oh, good so I would I, say it's 10, been and a half, 10, 10 and a half years. It's been a while. It's been a while. No way he's almost 11. Oh my gosh. I know, right? He doesn't act like He does it. not act like an 11 year old dog. He doesn't. Um, so actually, he may almost be 12. Oh, my wow. God. losing a year. So, <laughs> wow. I mean, I like to lose years with he my dogs too. I literally say yeah. Carly is 10, even though she's like 13 this year. Yeah. Yeah. He's definitely <laughs> fit. <laughs> All right. So, uh, way back, good Lord, 10 and a half years ago, um, when you contacted us, um, w- the reason we have you on the podcast today is because we've been talking about specialty training and how tracking has helped behaviorally for um, specific cases. Uh, we spoke with Giselle last week about Malcolm. Uh, Malcolm and his social experience. And now we wanted to have you on about Rufus because Rufus is one of my favorite stories to talk about. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, so why don't we start off by you uh, talking about what made you contact us in the first place about Rufus? So um, I fostered Rufus for two couple of weeks before I adopted him. And it wasn't until I adopted him that he started showing this like hyper fear. Uh, never really had a dog like that. I mean, literally, you know, I could barely walk him because he was so scared of everything. Um, not fearful of dogs, very dog social, but fearful of the world and humans. So I knew I was going to have to get some help. <laughs> and I started looking around and I did a web search and started talking to people. And one day I was out at Exmoor and ran into Tina. Yes, yes Tina. Tina. Yeah. And uh, she suggested, she mentioned your name. And honestly, I knew I hadn't heard of you, didn't know you. But she's like, she told me that you did training with their staff and, you know, that you had expertise in in dogs on the reactive spectrum and i was like yeah okay it's worth checking out so i made a session of an appointment for a private session evaluation um and And i think you saw savannah that was way back when yeah yeah i think you were were sick and couldn't make the appointment or something and savannah poor savannah um got the (laughs) got the handoff on that um uh, Savannah on, on Rufus. Now, how old was Rufus at that point when you did come in? Was he um, I still like under a was, year? Yeah, he was under a year. So I would guess maybe eight or nine months. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Still super young. Very young. And, you know, basically he stress pooped the whole 
session. It yeah. Was just, it was, oh, I remember. It freaked me out. I was, like, I was thinking, there's no hope. Poor Savannah. Savannah came in and she was like, I felt so bad. He just let loose in that room. I was like, yeah, he's a terror dog. Poor buddy. <laughs> yeah, he was, it was, it was, uh, <laughs> I, I really did at that point just kind of went, I, I don't know. Maybe I've just got this dog that's going to have to stay in the house the entire time. Of right. His life. And that's what a lot of people think when they have yeah. a, a fearful dog is that the dog should be sheltered from everything. But uh, we know that uh, you did not do that. No, I did not shelter him. And, you know, we kept going on walks. And um, I started, I can't really remember. I, I may have had a couple more privates, but also there were like some reactive dog classes. I, I started, <laughs> you had a bunch of reactive classes at yes. that time. And there was one where only three or four people would be in it, in yes. the building. And I think that may have been the first class yes. situation. Group class. Yeah, yeah. So I started, uh, you know, just learning, getting some tools, basically, you know, because as all training is, it's really the human who's learning uh, what they need to do to, you know, to start helping their dog. The dog. Yeah. Right. You know, one of the one of the simplest and greatest tools that I learned from you was the touch command. Yeah, uh, you know, teaching touch, which yeah, I'm probably not going to describe it well because I'm I'm a visual person. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's all teaching them is like it's. I know it's hard on 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 uh, you know yeah when you're not being viewed as to what it is. But the touch command we teach it for the listeners. We teach the touch command. Not just for a fun trick. For us, everything we do is commands and behavior. So for touch, for us, it was to make him uh, feel comfortable, look at a small hand as a target, as opposed to the big picture of the human that it was attached to. Um, Also taught him that he can go and touch stuff that he was afraid of. Yeah. So it became, what it became was like a safe word. Yes. So Rufus. He, in, in doing these exercises, he gained trust in me mm-hmm. that when I told him or asked him to touch something, it was okay. Not that he relaxed and, you know, just went, oh, yeah, cool. But he would get there. Right. Yeah. You know, Whereas so before he would not. Yes. He would not. Like, I remember one of the things that he just, like, had a freak out on a walk was there was a fire hydrant that was out of service and covered with plastic. Oh yeah. Plastic moving is really, that's a, that's a real tough one. But I remember the day when I did a touch thing with him on that and he went up to it and I'm like, this is brilliant. Yeah. You know, this is like opening a door. Yeah. To, to if mom says I can touch it, then it must not be dangerous. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I can at least try it. I may yeah. not like it. I can I can <laughs> right. trust in mom that she's not gonna send me to touch something dangerous. Right. right. And that's 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 an important thing, right? So we yeah. gained the trust. Um, we wound up seeing a big difference. The stop command with him was Oh, that was that was unbelievable. Yeah. I know everybody always tells me, so we have so many clients that when I say I'm gonna teach your dog how to stop and drive if they go to charge something and they all roll their eyes at me. It'll never happen. And everybody comes back and says the same thing. Uh, it happened. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I remember the first time my big part of memory with Rufus in that stage of his life was when he was chasing bikes that he was afraid of. And you said you came back to a training session and you said, I don't know how it worked or why it worked, but I yelled <laughs> stop. And he stopped mid drive and he did not chase that yeah. bike. And that's, you know, that's what 
we try to do is everything is a yeah. game, right? Yeah. You have right. to make it fun. You have to make it a game. Uh, it's not a correction. There's no force involved. Yeah. And he wanted to stop. Yeah. Rufus loves you. Rufus yeah. wants to please you. Yeah, he does. Um, and it's so awesome to see a dog come from uh, defecating and urinating Literally. everywhere to yeah. uh, I he can stop himself. in my mid-flight drive towards what's frightening me because mom told me it's okay. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. So, uh, and when I was thinking about this podcast, I was also having having a memory of, I think the the reactive class that I took with you that was most um, eye-opening for me on what the possibilities are for uh, reactive dogs. And for me, honestly, I don't know how y'all do it, but for me, <laughs> reactive, the reactive spectrum is huge. Yes. And it's everything from, you know, super shy, super shut down, super fearful kind of on one end to, to very aggressive on the other and yeah. everything in between. Right. Everything in between. So you had a reactive agility class. I did. That was just, I did. It was magical to me. <laughs> it was magical. Although I'll say the first class, I honestly thought, and close your ears, kitty. Kitties. <laughs> I thought, no fucking ways. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. Because it was total chaos. Week one is always the week, hardest. Week one. You know, you have my dog over here just like so so scared, has no idea what's going on. You had some other dogs that I was keeping my eye on because I'm like, they would eat me. <laughs> they would eat me. I'm sure the handlers all knew what they were doing. Yes. But we were widely separated. You know, there obviously no interaction. But the dogs were like barely doing anything, you know, as far as the obstacles. It was just... It was just a clown show, you know, (laughs) a reactive dog clown show. But honestly, by the second week, you just saw it clicking. Yep. They're going, oh, okay. Oh, okay. And I'm like, oh, my God. When these dogs, and I know you say it all the time, when these dogs get into that working mind, everything else, all the other problems, it's not like the problems are fixed, but they go away for just a little bit, and it gives them... It gives them that moment of that not being on their mind. Right. Yeah. They finally get a break from trauma. Yes. Right. From their own heads, pretty much. Yeah. That was like a light bulb going on for me when I thought, okay, there's hope. There's stuff I could, you know, there, I'm not going to have to just isolate Rufus. I mean, I'm, he's not going to do everything that all the other dogs do, but there's going to be things I can do with him, you know? Yeah. So yeah, and that's that something was, that, we that was say why it was magical to me in every class. I mean, even in our basic obedience classes, week one, it's like the immediate, like, no, we know that you, your dogs are going to be barking the first week. Like everybody's going to be over the top, even if we don't have a reactive yeah, right. class. I mean, it's just, they're in a new place. It's right. Something new's happening. And, and we do, you know, I try to tell, and I know you've heard many times and even in our tracking class, because our basic tracking class, we have, we invite all reactive yeah. dogs. Anybody uh, that wants to come. Anybody that wants to come. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we use our tracking for reactivity a lot. Mm-hmm. And there have been times when we, I have to, you know, bring, we, I, always, I always laugh and say I have to bring out my Italian voice, right, uh, in order to get my tone above the dog's barking. 
And I tell people every single time they come to the class that you, you can walk away from the circle, but don't stay there. I need you to come back. And if you don't, I'm going to come and get you. Right. <laughs> I also tell people that after this first class, I'm going to take a break here for one second. Just uh, tell the listeners, I apologize. My cat, my house cat is creating havoc. So you're going to hear some paper rustling in the back. Uh, Percy wants to join the podcast, apparently. Um, but so I tell people in in the very beginning of all reactive classes and all group classes, don't go home after the first class and say, I'm never Good going Lord, back. I'm never going back. Yeah. My dog was horrible because I will hunt you down. Right. And that's one of my famous every single time that my first line to every person. Don't go home and say, I can't do this. My dog is awful. Worse than the dog in the class because I'm going to make it come back. That's what we do. Everybody who comes to our classes knows they're reactive, they're reactive classes or there's going to be a reactive dog. You can't fix things unless you work on them. Yeah. Well, and I'll, you know, just kind of veering off Rufus for a minute. I don't know if you remember that, <clears throat> that foster that I had, the yellow lab foster who was um, nearly feral. Yes. yes. Nearly feral. And I brought him to class with, I, I did not expect him to work. My expectations for him is that if you can just stay in the circle and not completely break down, you know, maybe take a treat every once in a while. I was good. And he was able to do that as yes. we progressed. But, you know, there's, there's, success can look a lot of different ways. Yes. And, you know, just bringing them and getting them into class, like I said, like you said, the first class, you as a, it was as not a trainer, right? As a client, you oh, were like, yeah, there's like, no way. <laughs> but by the end of the classes, usually at the sixth week class, everybody is like, wow. Such it was and then you're excited about the yeah. next potential thing to do. Right. Yeah. And Rufus, you remember Rufus in that class? It was also, so it was, it was kind of insightful to me how the dogs would just get into that working mind brain but then specifically for rufus he had fear around some of the obstacles mm -hmm. right so the tunnel was a big deal for him right i know it can be for a lot of dogs yeah but the the teeter and the dog walk yes. oh my god mm -hmm. and by the sixth week i mean you let me a tunnel so that i got him used to that and then he was like game on this is yes. cool but at some point, it clicked with him on the other obstacles, too. And then we couldn't keep him off of them. Right. And he just, yeah. he just wanted <laughs> he to just keep do doing it. it. Yeah. Do it yeah. He would get on the field and he'd be <laughs> yeah. like, we're going right there. I want to do the teeter. Right. And, that, and that's kind of why we want to do it. But we don't force the dogs. We gave Rufus yeah. a lot of time to refuse the obstacles. And, yeah. and that's part Realize of the specialty. Realize he's not trapped. Right. right. That's yeah. what we talked about before when we talked about agility, building his confidence. Right. And not forcing them to do an obstacle. And if they get off, it's not the end of the world. We're not here for competition. No, you, it's almost like you, you know, if this week they won't even put a paw on, but next week they do. Yeah, that's awesome. You're moving you're forward. You're right. already making progress. Right. Exactly. And, you know, we like to tell people, it, even if they give us a try. Yeah. Anything. If we get a try, that's an achievement. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Um, right on. So, uh, so I always love talking about Rufus's first class. <laughs> so then what, what made you decide to do tracking with Rufus? Well, because I was pretty much on the path of doing everything. Like trying offer. everything. I was trying everything and you know, not everything. So before we did tracking, we had done tri ball. Yes. And 
Rufus did try ball for me because I asked him to do try ball. He he could not have given a rat's ass about it. Yeah, it was hey, very hey. clear to me that like this is not something we'll continue with yeah. because he doesn't love He's it. He's just not. Which was yeah. In hindsight, it was good that I had that experience. One, because you never know what they're going to like. Yeah. But two, yeah, just testing when we it. did tracking next, it was like, oh my god, total difference. This, yeah. He okay. loves And this. it taught you how to understand what he liked and didn't like. Yes. And a lot of people don't understand that. Yeah. They might put their dogs through the motions of agility. And what their- they think their dog might like. Like a lot of people want to do agility because they have a herding breed. But, you know, because they think the Border Collie should go around the course. But your Border Collie might actually prefer tracking. Right. Versus or agility ball. or fly ball or, or drive. I mean, there, I mean, There's it so can literally else. anything else, yeah. but it's, it's knowing how to read your dog. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, I mean, especially the working breeds, I think, you know, you could probably get them to do anything. Yes. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean they really want to be doing anything. Oh yeah. I mean, Harley is a great example of that. My old girl, Harley, who in the beginning of the podcast, you heard barking in the background, right? Um, Harley is 13 and I keep saying she's not because I don't want to say she's 13, but she, she's been working by my side. As you know, since I've known you, she's been by my side working. I've retired her two years ago and now I used her the other day cause she happened to be here. So I used her during a session and she legit groaned at me, walked out, <laughs> stretched laid down in the middle of the session like i'm going no further than this yeah. <laughs> and went to sleep i was like okay then right yeah you know um it's being able to just know what they like i mean i know with raven oh, like yeah. raven can do tracking she's smart she knows how to do it and she will do it but she will do the sassy tracking yeah like tara and i always joke if tara goes missing raven will let her die yeah, um, because she w- she'll kind of yeah I'll find her and then I'll give like the side eye of like yeah she's over there somewhere and walk off. But if I put her on an agility course, I mean, you see her light up. She loves doing yeah. agility. She gets very excited about yeah. it. It's important. It's just knowing knowing what works for your dog and what they are going to enjoy because that's what what's going to help them thrive. Yeah. And that's definitely been what's happened with Rufus. Yeah. he's definitely thrived since you found. What tracking. he loves. Yeah. So tell me what behaviors you've seen increase since tracking. Oh, the the whole thing with Rufus, and I can cite a couple of specific examples, but when Rufus is working, that cat, that cat, he says, I want my own show. <laughs> I'm trying. Sorry. Okay. When Rufus is working, really, there is nothing else. There, I mean, he is so confident in the work that he's doing and one of the you know most of the time when we're tracking it's not like a it's not like a crowded area or business I mean there may be people or that on the street or you know we pass on a trail whatever but I was asked to do a track a couple years ago for a little dog that went missing from a condominium right at like right on the river right downtown river uh, and 30 riverside and 35 kind of area and tough area yeah. And so the the thought was that he had gone kind of toward Fiesta Gardens. And that's indeed where Rufus took me. But I started heading to Fiesta Gardens and I'm like, what the hell are all these people doing down there? There was a regatta. Oh, oh God. <laughs> there was a regatta. Excuse in me. addition to just the normal 
Sunday afternoon picnicking and whatever. And so I'm like, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, this may not work. This may right. be one I just have to call. Rufus may, you know, shut down. No. No. I was like, even with a regard. So shocked, so proud. He was just on it. On it. On he it's it's almost like he, a horse with blinders on. You know, yeah. he saw he saw nothing else. He cared for nothing else. Um now. It's not to say he doesn't have distractions on the well, on the yeah. but the things that normally, like if I just take him, I, I really don't do this because I know it just makes him unhappy. It, but if I just took him down to Home Depot, right, he would not. Be he okay. would freak out. Yeah. yeah, you know, he would just start getting all nervous, and his tail would tuck. And but if he's on the job, on the job, none of that matters. I mean, it's really astounding, and people who have either only heard about Rufus doing tracking. Like I know Priscilla made the comment. Yes. You know, people who have only seen him track or have only heard him track. That I know they probably think I'm Looney Tunes when I say, no, he's a fearful dog. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They don't get it because they haven't seen that side of him at all. Right. Yeah, and that's yeah. that's the beauty of tracking. Because right? they don't see that side. Of, of putting a dog in that working yeah. mind state. They literally go... Okay, I have a task to do, and I don't have to think about my trauma, and that for me is so important. Yeah, because I think it. I think now, obviously, Rufus still has some fear. He still has some nerves, but he's a thousand percent better than yes. where he was. But I think it can also, you know, like I'm not a medical person or a vet or whatever, but I feel like being able to step out of that traumatized state builds muscle memory as to you know, what, what it feels like in their bodies without having that. that. that so I think it's easier to move them to a place of being less traumatized. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we say it a lot. It's, we try to teach the dogs that it's better to relax than react. Once they start to feel that it's better, it feels better to relax than react. They start to relax more. Yeah. And getting them in a working state of mind, that's the same thing. Yeah. We're getting them to work and go, okay, I passed that scary troll looking fire hydrant yesterday on a track. Okay. I could do that today. Yeah. Right. It didn't jump out and bite me yesterday. Right. Right. <laughs> and yeah, you know, those plastic covered fire hydrants look like trolls. Yeah. There's this- they do to a dog. And they're making noises and they're yes. kind of blowing, yeah, blowing in, the in the wind. And yeah, yeah it's, when it's I walked weird. past that on the job, it didn't kill me. So I could walk past that again. It's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So I'm guessing yeah. like when you started tracking, kind of definitely trying to do something that Rufus enjoys and has fun with. But I'm assuming that you had no idea how far you were going to end up actually going with him. Oh, no, I didn't even know it was an option yeah. to do more than just like class practices. Just doing some obvious, even though I knew stuff. you did yeah. search and rescue and other things, but it wasn't until uh, the search for Sam's dog was the yes. first, you know, uh, official kind of search. That, Searching for a dog. A yeah, time. yeah. I mean, it was sort of just a sequence of event, a kind of happenstance, you know, because. Um, Sam had that really bad accident. Her dog escaped. You were able to organize this massive search, and I was a part of it. You know, one of many humans and dogs who were out there. But I got the feeling of yes. what it what it felt like. But 
probably about that same time or not long after that was when Trappers formed. Yep. Uh, Trappers is a nonprofit organization here in Austin that works to reunite lost pets with people. And they, most of the volunteers in that organization are focused on <clears throat> hand capturing or, or trapping the dogs as they're able. But um, again, through us, just kind of a series of circumstances, I, we got connected to them and uh, Leanne and I did. And uh, then, you know, y'all are helping them kind of find where to put those traps. Yeah. Yeah. So that it's sort of the big m- misconception of what we do out there. Right. right. Because, mm-hmm. because, and I would have the same misconception, honestly, if I wasn't in on it, but you know, there's, there's a feeling that, that it's going to be the bloodhound out looking for the criminal <laughs> or something, yeah. you know, yeah. that you're actually going to find the dog. Yeah. Whereas that's a very, in my experience, a very unusual set of circumstances where you would actually find find the dog. If you do, it's usually not a good thing. Right. It's usually not a good thing. Yeah. So what I tell people that the benefit that the tracking dogs bring to helping with a lost dog is that they can help to determine a path of travel. They can help to um, point out areas where the dog maybe peed or maybe bedded down right. or, you know, spent time, right? Yeah, spent time. So it informs, it's data. It's data that we get to inform the trappers where so to put down know, a feeding yeah. station or a camera or a trap or mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. So now, I mean, because I know we have our, our advanced tracking class now, which has a, multiple dogs in it now that the whole point is trying to find lost people and dogs that we hide on our property. <laughs> right. We, we hide them on the property. And that's something that we do for practice, right? Yeah. So Laura Lee and I, um, I have been focusing a little bit more in San Antonio because I live down there. It's easier on my day off to go track. Um, Laura Lee and Leanne do up here in Austin-ish, right? Yeah. Um, so... Leanne's not doing as much. Okay. She's kind of focusing. She's well, she's ther- working. She's doing the therapy. <laughs> there is that dog full time. And, and she has yeah, the therapy. She has the therapy stuff, the therapy stuff, stuff she's doing now. Um, but so, you know, we, we go out, we do the tracking. So for us, we still need to practice. Even if we're not tracking for a lost dog, which there are many. Um, but even if we're not tracking for a lost dog, your dog still needs to practice. It yeah. has to happen. You know, uh, in order to keep impression, we're not just walking in circles in the woods somewhere going, we're following this dog. Yeah. Um, is he really following a trail, which happens a lot, right? We're going, mm-hmm. are we really following the right trail? And then we see the the pattern of the dogs and where they caught the dog. And we're like super proud of our canines going, yeah, they did yeah. do it. Right. Yeah. But you never thought you'd get that far with Rufus. No, I never. I mean, I didn't even know that would be a possibility. Right. You know, it's not that I thought it was out there, but I couldn't do it. It's that I didn't even know that you know, was even it, a thing. It would be a thing. And now yeah. you have Jasper. Now I have Jasper. That's, yeah. that's doing it, right? Yeah, he's really kind of, I'm working him more than Rufus now just because Rufus doesn't take the heat as well, right. being mm-hmm. older. And unless I can get out like for a really early morning search, then, you know, Jasper's going to have to do it. He's in the Texas heat, yeah, for sure. And he won't stop. You know, that's mm-hmm. the thing. He won't stop until he does. And then right. he just lays down. And, you know, I just have, like, fear of having to haul a 75-pound dog yes. 
back to the car or something. Right. <laughs> and, you know, and like with Harley, I haven't put Harley on a track since the uh, 15-year-old blind and deaf dog that went missing. I pulled her out of retirement for it because it was a 15-year-old and I ponied her. Ponied, excuse me, the, exp- the expression there. I had Tahoe, my young track dog, and Harley side by side to do yeah. it because I wanted a little bit more experienced dog. I've worked with Harley for so long. I can, mm-hmm. I, I understand that dog's body language and Tahoe's just learning. Now, uh, thankfully for me, Tahoe ran the exact same path faster, uh, but ran the exact same path. But to that point with Harley on that track, I only worked her 30 minutes. Yeah. And I, I said, nope, we're good. I'm going to come back now that I know Tahoe has got it. Yeah. I'm going to come back with Tahoe. Yeah. Right. Because she's younger, she's stronger, and we don't have to worry about health issues, right? Now, that's not to say that you don't have to worry about all health issues. You still oh, yeah. have to worry about heat. You have to watch your dog. But talk about that, right? So since you started doing tracking for Lost Dogs with Rufus, who has come so far, the bond that you two have. Yeah. Right? Which is not necessarily, it's not something I really needed to strengthen with him. Right. He's had a great bond, but now you know how to harness that, yeah. that Velcro-ness that he has. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. We taught him a little bit of independence. He's leading you out there instead of you uh, leading him. Yeah. That's really kind of, I mean, that, uh, so I'll say the things that it was, the things that were probably challenging for me to learn, but were really excellent skills um even globally with every dog yes I, I work with i'd say two things that i can think of right now one is understanding the roles of the tracking team yeah who's who's doing what yeah and within that um the dog leads yeah giving the, the dog trust leads to the yeah. dog giving the trust and that's i actually had that conversation with the the guy i was tracking for last night i said you know he made some comment about, uh, I'm surprised Jasper didn't do blah, blah, blah. Or I thought, you know, blah, whatever it was, you know. So, and I said, well, there's a lot of art to this as mm-hmm. much as, if not more than science. There's a lot of art, at least for me, where I sit with it. And I said, but I have to trust my dog. I have right. to trust what my dog is telling me because that's really all I have. Right. And I start screwing up the process if I insert what. I think should happen or where you should go. Yeah. Yeah. That that just, honestly, you've just kind of blown the whole thing. Right. And your dog and, and it really does with tracking. It makes Mm -hmm. your dog a fearful dog realize he can get out in front of you and he can lead. Now I don't use a long line. No, I use my eight foot lead. And honestly, even if I extend it the whole way, like Rufus likes to have, Tension on the lead, but he does, and it's fine with a little bit of distance, but he doesn't want to right. like get 30 feet He does not want to get too far out, and I yeah. don't know that he ever would. So right. for yeah. us, that just works for us. Yeah. yeah. But before I forget it, let me say the other thing, because I know you're, no. you're going to laugh at this. No. <laughs> <laughs> the, other, the, the other thing, and it was like, mainly because of all your nagging, which was very appropriate. Nagging. I love my nagging. Yeah. Come on. The the other thing that I learned, which was like so beneficial, was not to do a correction, not to do any corrections, uh, not I, to say no. I'm right? going to, I'm beaming with pride. <laughs> but you know, it's true. It's I like, know. I mean, because I, I was like the world's worst, you know, no, no, stop. It's yes. like, no, that's not what you do. That's not how, you know, this is supposed to be fun. 
Uh, and if it's not, then it's the wrong thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you don't say no, you just give it another try. That's right. And and it's literally what we've been see saying. See my constantly. nagging. I nag a lot, don't I? I do. Mm-hmm. In my tracking classes, I'm pretty naggy. Um, but it really is for a reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to, what happens when you correct is you make your dog question its own ability to track. Yeah. Right. Who's in charge? Okay, you're in charge. So you have to do the track for me. Our dogs are doing that track. They have to be able to follow their nose and we have to be able to trust them. Is every dog going to follow the right track? No. There mm-hmm. might even be some days that they uh, a well-seasoned dog, hardly. A well-seasoned dog might go, um, you know, I'm going to follow this track over here. It's going to happen. Right. They're still dogs. There's no right. There's no guarantee that a dog is going to pick up on a track. Sometimes they, you know, we start. And just so you all know, when a lost dog happens, we're going to get into this a little bit more when we talk to trappers because we're going to ask them to come on to the show. Right. Um, but when we start a track for a lost dog, we go by where the dog was sighted where the dog was sighted last. Um, and that's usually where the strongest scent is, is that's where we're trying to find. We could still pick up an old track, but if I know where the dog was tracked or saw last, I'm going to go there because that's where the strongest scent is. There are sometimes elements. Weather's going to have something to do with it, right? Um, and my dog might be going nonchalantly walking around and I'm going, okay, she really doesn't have a track. But because I don't correct her and I trust her, she could tell me I don't have a track in a nonchalant way, right? You learn that yeah. when you start letting them take the lead. Yeah. Right. And we learn it through practice, which is why we do that advanced class every other week, right? Yeah. For yeah. Practice. So I think, you know, kind of since I've had, you know, I've got Rufus who's coming from a fearful background and I've got Jasper who's just like over social, over social, I want to be involved in all the things and, and has has a tendency to that, you know, like ADHD kind of mm-hmm. yeah. explosion. So for Rufus, it's like watching him take the lead and have it, have the confidence to do it and know that he it's can. Like beaming just, mom. It almost. is. It's like a lot of pride. With Jasper, it's a little bit more about containment. Yeah. You know, a, a fo- or focus on this focusing, focusing what needs to happen. Yeah. 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 Now, because we've talked about it in tracking before, the different types of trackers, is Rufus and Jasper different types of trackers? Tracking yeah, versus trailing? Yeah, yeah. and uh, so um, Rufus is definitely an air center. Yes. He is an air center, which is not to say he doesn't drop his nose. And, and it's usually in a situations where... You know, I can say, oh, the dog's been in this spot because that's, he's like that's really he's focused. That's dropping the nose. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but mostly he's in the air. And that's something that if I have an owner who's with me or whoever, somebody who hasn't been with Rufus, I try to make a point of saying, look, Rufus is an air center. It's going to look like he's not working. Yep. Mm-hmm. But I'm telling you, he's working. Right. Like I can tell by the tension on the lead. Right. And we, working. and God, I say that that's another one of my nags, right? Every time we practice in our classes, I tell everybody, it may not look like your dog is doing it. I need you to trust me because at the end result, your dog is finding that lost person or dog that we're hiding. So, you know, they did it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's, you know, often it's not. I mean, you 
you've kind of got to free up your mind to do it because, you know, it's not like even in our practice sessions, if you, if you, you know, go down 30 yards and then go take a left turn and go 20 yards, very right angly, you know, the dogs may be tacking back and forth, especially if they're air centers, they're going to be picking up the scent from how the wind's blowing. So they may, you know, and that's not wrong. Yeah. So you've got to have meaning your, that he doesn't know where he's going or he's not following us. Uh, so you got to have your expectations in in the right place. Yeah. Now is Jasper the same? Does he a trailer or does he do more tracking on the ground? I think he does more ground tracking, you know, but I also think it's situational. Like yesterday, holy crap, he was ground all the way. All the way. But we've had a wet season. Right? We've had a wet week, so that scent is going to be more yeah more concentrated concentrated on the ground yeah and and it's amazing to watch them yeah how the weather impacts what they're doing yeah yeah it is amazing to watch them um i was like this is like kind of off the top topic but i think we don't realize i mean you kind of hear that thing about oh dogs have you know whatever larger capacity to smell whatever number they're throwing out today you know they do have a greater capacity to smell and they and they use their olfactory senses differently than we do. Mm-hmm. But we still don't pay attention to yeah, how no. much, you know, and we don't give them an opportunity to do And we don't that appreciate smelling. that nose. Yeah. I was I was at a friend's a friend does um dog sitting a uh, whippet puppy and I took Jasper over to play with him and uh, but it was kind of too hot. So they were just hanging out on the deck. And that whippet puppy Eyes were closed. It looked like it was sleeping. It may have been. And I go, Melissa, look at his nose working. I mean, you could just see. Yep. <laughs> his you little know, nose he goes. was. He was like feeding the senses as he was either asleep or going to sleep. Right. You know, it's amazing to watch them. I know that's what that's why I'm so obsessed about them. Yeah. Yeah. Rock on. All right. So, final question that we have for our special guest here about tracking would be how many searches. Do you think Rufus has been on? Oh, she's got oh, her She's ready. Oh, Look I at her. I have it broken out from, uh, I didn't break out Rufus to Jasper. Really, I just started using Jasper toward right. the end of last year. So the majority of searches I've done have been Rufus. With Rufus. So The once terrified yeah. dog, yes. Uh, I can't, I didn't do a total. Let's see. Oh, she's adding it up. <laughs> How's this like? That's a lot. Yeah. Wow. Over a hundred. Over a hundred tracks. Over a hundred. That's somewhere. fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Are fantastic. these mostly like lost dog searches out in like the brush and stuff like that? I'm Not assuming. necessarily. We do yeah. a lot of urban searches. Mm-hmm. And yeah, something I, Leanne and I, I think learned this at the same time. Some Something we learned early on is that, you know, even though it's the middle of summer and you're about to do an urban search. You best have your pants on because the, yes. <laughs> not your shorts, not, not your, your shorts. shorts. And if you're doing the right thing, you should probably have a long skirt, but <laughs> I just can't bring sh- myself to do that part. But yeah, even in an urban search, the dogs pants. are going to find the creeks, the drainage yeah. areas. Yes. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the dogs. Extra some, pair of socks. I mean, you can't say anything definitively, but most of the time they're not going to just be hanging out on the sidewalk. Right. You know? They're right. looking for a cover. And and they're literally going to go from one spot to the next. Yeah. Where that lost dog went. Like with that 15-year-old 
Death from Blind Dog. Right? Now, is there a search that Rufus has done that kind of sticks out in your mind that you have that's like a, I mean, I know out of uh, over 100 searches, I don't know if there's a one or, or, or anything. That's a couple gonna... that come to mind. Um, one of them, you know, things just fell into place. Uh, it was a dog that had gotten loose. Uh, remind me. I would like to say something. <laughs> I just thought it's like, I need to do my rant Ed, before we back This is a dog that had gotten loose um, we know the on, a, on a transfer at a vet's office. Okay. The harness wasn't tight enough. The yeah. dog slipped out, slipped blah, out. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, anyway, I was, they were able to pull me in. I mean, it was like within hours. Okay, that's, that's uh, good. Which, you know, they sometimes hesitate to do. And right. I don't know. I need to they have don't. that conversation with them. But in this time, um, this was up in Round Rock somewhere, and uh, Rufus took me from the vet office, you know, down around this. It, we just wandered, and we ended up in this field. It was almost like just an undeveloped area between two nice buildings, and Rufus just spent so much time there, and it was nose to the ground, nose to the ground, mm-hmm. nose to the I mean, mm-hmm. he would, and, oh, I was like, wow. So we wrapped it up and the owners were actually kind of just hanging out in the parking lot. And I said, you know, he had so much interest in this field. My recommendation would be for y'all to go over there, go over there, hang out. I mean, maybe go grab some food, whatever, you know, just sit there, sit calmly. And I, there's, there's, and trappers will get into it, kind of the protocol on what to do with right. you know, yeah. how to get your dog to come back to you. Um, but they did that, and the dog just came out of the bush. Mm-hmm. So yeah. he was there. Yep. Yeah. You know, Rufus was there. Like he I know he's there. here somewhere. He's it was here somewhere. As a matter of fact, I was like probably you know two blocks from my house, and I get the call. It's like, oh my god, oh my god. Yeah. What you told him worked. You know. So That's awesome. and that may have actually been one of the first times where the trappers actually saw because there were a lot of non-believers. Oh in yeah, there is benefit a of, of using a trapper using the dog. And I think that's when it may have clicked with them. Um, so, and then more recently, uh, there was a, um, I think he's about five. I mean, he's not old, but a blind guy. He lost his eyes to glaucoma, mm-hmm. a little blind pity that was lost by a pet sitter. Okay. We Rant coming. Rant coming. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I took Rufus out in the morning and we did a search. And, you know, there was an area that I felt like he was more, Rufus is not a great dog to read. I mean, Rufus, Rufus, um, he wants to find the thing. Right. And if he doesn't have a good path, he's still going to look for the thing. And it looks the same as if he's on the track. So he's a little hard for me to read sometimes, but I could look at my map and I could see there was this area. I, I brought Jasper back that evening and I started him at cl- a place closer to, because I wanted to see if he would do the light same. off on the same area. Yeah, yes. And he pretty much did. Um, so I was kind of like, okay, trappers, this is there. And they did. They had a feeding station. They had a trap. But uh, it was, I don't know, several days later, uh, a good Samaritan called and said, hey, I think I see this dog. That, Fantastic. And he was right in that right area. In that that area. They had, yep. 
He was right next to the trap and feeding station and hadn't shown any interest in that. Right. <laughs> so whatever. He was like, he was like, this was cool. This yeah. was fun. You know, yeah. I had a great time. Right. Yeah. But I was really happy. I mean, you know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure Trapper saw, you know, really what what happened there. But yeah. But the well, dogs lighting up the there. Progress. But the thing, there's so much that goes into it because, you know, if you're able to say, I think this is the area or these are the areas you need to focus on what that generates, it's not only about putting a feeding station up or putting cameras out. It gets flyers all right. over that area. Yeah. Right. So, you remember that 12-year-old tealer that we did together with Harley and Rufus? Off 2222? Yes. Yeah. Do you remember that we kept going yeah. to that dumpster area? And what did we do? We kept saying, this is the area that you need to put a trap in, right? The neighbor yeah. went out. Because we said this is the area this dog keeps going to. She read a book, remember? She yeah, read a she book said, in her car in the parking lot and waited and boop, there he, he comes. Out. Yep. Came out and he got right in her car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's nice then. It's rewarding in the sense of your bond with Rufus, but also, I mean, y'all as a team are helping other dog owners literally reunite a lot yeah. of the times with their own pets. Oh, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. And just being able to kind of educate people because, you know, there's no shortage of... Oh, here people. comes rent. Oh, I'll, <laughs> I, actually, thanks for reminding me. I was just going to say there's no shortage of people, you know, who are experiencing lost dogs. And, and and again, I don't want to step on what trappers will talk about. But, but the short thing is that most of the people who lose an animal do the wrong things at yes. first, right? Yeah. Which we all would do. Yeah. Because yes. you have to kind of go against human nature to do the right thing. So I'll let them dive into that. But here is the rant. The rant. Here's the rant coming. Um, we love rants on our show. <laughs> I can't tell you, and I didn't. I didn't do the counts. And and Trappers is going to have bigger numbers than what I have because yes. I'm not called in on every case, right? Um, but I cannot tell you how many dogs get lost from careless pet sitters. Yeah. So the rant is. Be extremely mindful of who you leave your animals with. Right. And I would say um, the organizations who are popular with online uh, apps, uh, be very, I know be very mindful of those. Right. Yeah. Be yeah. very mindful vet, of those. Vet, vet the people. Vet, vet, vet. I was right. talking to a woman who, uh, she actually lives in an area or a case that's still open and she was aware of that and was keeping her eyes open. And uh, she's a volunteer at the shelter with me. And she said, we were, I was giving her my uh, pet sitter rant. She goes, Oh my God, my pet sitters are fantastic, but they have a strict protocol. You know, it's like they can't go in and out the front door. They mm -hmm. cannot even open the front door. They have to go in and out of the garage. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like, I still have baby gates up. I've got, that's like, you're doing all the right things. That's because, right. Yeah. You know, if you're not going to take it to a boarding kennel, um, you just need Make sure. to be very, very so careful. So that way, you know, you and Rufus love to do the tracking, but, you know, if you're searching for a lost dog, it's still a, it can not be a great thing at the same right. time. So. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Lots of, there's lots of, you kind of have to remove yourself from the emotions. A lot of emotion happens yeah. Uh, yeah. in the beginning when people start doing it. And then you you have to, you literally have to figure out that pocket that file cabinet that we have, right? We always yeah. talk about it. Yeah. File that file back there. You can deal with it later. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, 
but, but yeah. awesome in the sense for I mean for Rufus and the the change. I mean, I remember even just because I met him four years ago, it was he had already learned a lot of the stuff. So then when I first met him, you were literally like, Can he just touch you and then he'll be okay? Yeah. <laughs> and you told him to touch he because he was barking up a storm. He came up, he touched my hand and he was like, Okay, we're all good. Mom yeah. said that she was not a threat, so I guess we're good. Yeah. And yeah. I mean huge, huge difference. Yeah. Right. And yeah. that's that's what specialty trap you just gotta get your dog out there and work and that's the whole point of what we do right get Mm -hmm. that it's and it's not all about competition you know you can compete and absolutely there is a place for it and i love watching competitions but that's not always has that's not always gonna happen not everybody has the time to do competitions you can help a fearful dog by doing tracking and not worry about the title because you don't have time necessarily to do it. Right. You don't have to be AKC competing. You don't right. have to be lost dog searching. There's so many skills for tracking that are, um, you know, just general enrichment skills right. that you learn that you can do either at home, at in the yard, at a Home Depot. Right. You yeah. know, we had that in, yeah, we in did. store. We uh, did track. that Tomlinson's. Yeah. 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 But, you know, you can just casually... You know, once you teach them how to do that tracking, you can just casually drop something, go around the corner, tell them to find it. And it's an amazing difference that it makes behaviorally. Well, Laura Lee, we really appreciate you coming out here. We are going to have you out here again for Mm -hmm. our talk about our differently abled. Yeah, because we're going to have an episode where we talk about differently abled and then we'll be bringing uh, Laura Lee back to talk about your uh, nonprofit. Right. That's great. So forward to it. So, right on. So, as always, uh, we thank you for uh, listening. And if you have any questions, comments, ideas that you want to hear on the show, please give us a shout out at uh, the letter K, the number nine, translators. Ah, I did it wrong again. Info at K9translators.com. Good Lord, I keep doing it wrong. Info at K9translators.com. And we will read your comments on air. Uh, Please remember to like subscribe share it if you love it share it um and always remember you have to see them you have to hear them in order to help them and protect first if you have any questions comments or ideas about future podcasts please email us at info at k9translators.com that's canine translators with a k please like comment subscribe and share with your friends remember to always try to see them hear them and help them and protect first.